Welcome to the Companion Chapel. Welcome to this special podcast, podcast concerning suicide. And my firsthand account just recently, as a matter of fact, a couple days ago, somebody that I really care about, one of my best friends, threatening suicide. And it's just overwhelming when somebody that you really care about threatens to do that. And I mean a serious threat. I mean, the authorities had to get involved, and it's not the first time. I was just blessed enough that I've met these people recently to fellowship with. As I was a hardcore introvert, and I happened to meet these people last summer, and here it is eight months later, and I just happened to get a phone call from one of them, and it was just the greatest thing. I needed that phone call, and I recorded part of the conversation I'm dealing with a suicide attempt of a dear friend. A conversation I had with a fellow servant of God. It was off-the-cuff fellowship when I needed it. A phone call, a simple phone call, just helped me figure a lot of things out. And helped me realize the power of prayer. Or when the Bible says, prayer without ceasing. Jesus always prayed, no matter what. Jesus spent time praying. And he was on his knees and he was sweating blood. When he prayed, he wasn't off praying and, and uh, pulling petals off daisies or looking for a four-leaf clover. He was talking to God. And no matter how dark and hopeless things seem, you have to pray. You have to humble yourself. You have to show humility and submissiveness and reverence. And that's why you pray on your knees. And the power of prayer on your knees. You get down there and you submit to God. You submit to Christ. It's so important. You pray earnestly and pay attention. You're talking to somebody important. Like, who do you talk to that you just just have written prayer, some written thing that written down? Just pray off. Pray, pray for written prayer. You brought, if you're talking to somebody important, you're praying from the heart. And you're talking, you're paying attention. And sometimes when you pray and your thoughts wander, and you're thinking, I'm talking to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords here. Like, would I do that if I'm talking to somebody who I think is important? Just let your mind wander? No, you, you pray earnestly, or you talk earnestly with somebody that you're that you put in importance. And who could be more important than Jesus Christ, our Savior? God answers prayers. God wants you to talk to Him and show reverence. God earned respect talking to God who's created all these planets. And He picked this planet here. And He had mercy on us. He didn't have to. If people are all disobedient, what, what's the point? If you, had about, if you had six billion disobedient children, you're like looking at these, these children going, what... Like, what's the point here? Like, these people would want to kill me. They disown me. They don't believe me. No, you have faith. Oh, people think, well, I can have blind faith. Blind faith, really? Do you have faith when you're driving down the road and you know oncoming traffic? You have faith in a total stranger who's not going to drive into you. That's faith. That's blind faith. You do it every day. Why can't you have faith in God? You have faith when you're walking down the road that someone's not just going to Drive up over the curb and, and roll you right over. It's faith. Why can't you have faith in God? You have faith in total strangers. You go to a restaurant. 
Well, you have faith that someone in the back there is making your food. It's not going to poison it. You have faith in the delivery guy who brings it to your house that he's not going to mess with your food. Just hope he doesn't. I don't want to know. You have faith in... Just have faith in people. You have faith in things. You have faith in your car that someone put together. You have faith in, in that bicycle. I haven't ridden one in 30 years and I don't plan on it, but... I see people on their bicycles just going like 30 miles an hour, 40 miles an hour. They have faith those bicycles are going to stay together, that someone put it together properly. Every day you have faith. In all these things, every step you take, every breath you take, you have faith. And then why can't you have faith in God? Faith is personal trust. Faith in Jesus Christ. And Christ humbled himself. Why can't you? Look, at he put himself up on that cross for us. The most brutal death. Think about that death. Nailed to the cross and people come out to watch this. What kind of society was that? What kind of society was that? Look at our society today. It's supposed to be so advanced and so modern. But look what we do. We watch on TV. A bomb goes in and just blasts thousands of people in one shot. Watch it over and over and over. We have disease going across the nation right now. COVID nineteen. We have it's it's pretty much shut down the world. Everybody on the planet is affected by this virus disease. And you think about it, I'm just getting off subject a little bit. Who's trying to control this? Why is there a patent on this COVID nineteen? Who owns the patent? And if they can convince everybody to stay indoors and shut down the whole economy, who's going to benefit from this? Somebody who owns the patent obviously has the antidote, which is also called the vaccine. Vaccination, you can convince everybody to stay at home. You can convince everybody they need the vaccination and say it's a dollar a pop, two dollars a pop, whatever. There's a couple billion dollars right there. Planet Earth, get vaccinated. It didn't hurt their economy. Anyways, to stay on subject here. And they and they break your legs. They cut you. Humiliate you. They beat you up before you get put to death. Christ forgave. So why can't you? You repent from your sins. This is to say when you have a change of heart, Christ forgives you. So why can't you forgive others? Why when people have a change of heart, do you still hold it inside you? A little bit of spite. A bit of rubbing someone's face in the past, like you have to, you can't do that, and it'll turn on you. And holding that stuff in will cause you to have negative thoughts, will cause you to have depression. And suicidal thoughts are the pinnacle of things that you hold in and carry with you. You can't carry these things into heaven. Jesus Christ knows how much affliction each of us need to humble ourselves for the eternity. That is chastisement. That is tough love. You can't go walking around with a chip on your shoulder and then just walk right up to the pearly gates and think, here I go, I'm going in. God answers your prayers. There's nothing impossible for God. When you pray, just remember, there's no burden too heavy to turn to Him. There's nothing impossible for God. When you pray, you remember Jeremiah chapter 3. God owns your soul. Your soul is what you are. Your spirit is who you are. And you have to humble yourselves. 
You do, when you pray, you don't insist upon God. This is a common thing I hear about suicide. People that are attempted suicide are obviously not people who have gone through with it. Well, actually, people who have gone through with it. I've known a few. And they claim that they've talked to God and they've asked God for certain things and they didn't get it. But don't pray like you're owed something. You can't pray like God has something to prove to you. You can't put demands on God. You can't insist upon God. You can't dictate to God. You can't expect immediate answers. I prayed and I didn't get it. So there can't be a God. Well, who are you? Here's a friend of mine calls and it was a great timing. I'm still very upset about what's happened. I, I can't comprehend suicide. I can't I can't wrap my head around it. I think we're so blessed. And as much as I get my tail shook, I, I, I deserved it. And I humble. And I just pray for these people that they can humble. And if you have to humble yourself and you look around and count your blessings. Here's my friend. He calls and I just started recording. We've done podcasts together before. And uh, this is the phone call, and I appreciate it very much. It's the phone call a couple nights after one of my dear friends went to attempt to commit suicide. And it's not the first time this person's tried to do this. I was just, I was just really happy to get this phone call. And, uh, but, uh, I, I, I hear you on that point. But what bothers me is when, be, when people are looking like that, like very hardly nobody knows you know, as personally, I mean, personally from blog and podcast or anything, or the blog and podcast, okay, but, you know, say somebody that knows me personally, like, there's nobody perfect on planet Earth, and there never will be, and so what I what I really get discouraged at is when they, they go through the Rolodex of, you know, crap that I've done in my life, and then just throw that in my face from a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, or ten minutes ago. Right, like that's yeah. not that's what the well. If you're so God, like if you're such a Bible boy, then why did blah blah blah? Why did you do that? You know, it's like holy, like I repented from it, and and I have a change of heart. But you know, you're gonna just uh, throw that in my face, and that's a disappointment too. And that's one of their excuses is like, well, if you're so God, like you know, why would you do that? Like there must not be a God or something along that line. Like I understand. That we have to rightly divide and correctly handle God's word, and so not to avoid shame. But nobody's perfect, and nobody can even entertain that. We just have to mature as Christians. Yeah, you're right. So, um, yeah, of course we try as hard as we can to, you know, take care of ourselves and be like a clean, you know, clean vessel, so we can be useful for for Christ. But uh, everyone's gonna fall, and when. That's one thing that bothers me. How do you handle it? When people rub your face and stuff that you've repented from and, you know, say, hey, wait a minute, that was a long time ago, right? Like, what do you think about that? Yeah, I don't get that very often. Hardly ever at all do I get people reminding me of the old days because the old, like some of us, like when I was, like doing some pretty bad stuff, I was living out in Ottawa. Uh-huh. And so my family knows or my sisters know but, like, they don't rub it in my face or anything like that. Yeah. And my mm. friends here really don't know that. And most of my friends are believers. So, and then even people at the drop-in center don't know my story. And so, you know, I don't have to, uh, I don't worry about people coming at me and saying, you used to do this, you used to do that, and stuff like that. It may happen one day. Hopefully I'll be prepared for it. So what do people like? What do people say? What's their 
go-to answer is someone's rubbing something in your face from a long time ago that you know, you've clearly had a change of heart over, and you know you've you repented. Yeah, you know what? Sometimes, sometimes people just aren't like spiteful, I guess. Well, they got a hard heart. Yeah, and and so you know your best witness at that time is how you react to uh, to what they say. Yeah, how do you react? Like, I'm, I'm not too sure how to react when I get my face rubbed in something. Uh, you know, you just you don't get angry and be, be forgiving and just kind of say, look, that's the way it was. You know, I, God's changed me. Yeah, that's, and, that's you know, good. I'm not perfect. I still make mistakes. Yeah, I just... But, uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm confident that, that the Lord is at work in my life. Yeah. I, that's something you could do. I make sure that I never acknowledge the content of what's being said. But I, I always, uh, it must be my pride and ego still that I feel hot under the collar. There's no doubt about it. And I'm trying not to. I, have to I, I feel compassion for the other person that they have to dig deep and look for, you know, look for the stuff that's out behind the barn. But uh, it's it's sad when someone gets to that point that they're attacking you. Yeah, I'm just wondering, like, it's time, it's moving forward. Like when the sun goes down on something, it's it's over. Yeah, like you, you're supposed to feel compassion towards the other person. And uh, going back to the praying, like we have to, we have to remember that when we're praying, and you and Jeff, it's, we know how to pray. That there's no burden too heavy to turn to uh, turn over to Christ. Like it's hard to imagine. How how much humbling he did to to be there and get just absolutely the worst death he could possibly have by those savage Roman people. I I just it's hard to believe that the society was like that back then. You know, yeah. nail nail someone to the cross, come out and check it out, and, and you know, cut them and break their legs just so they'll die faster. Oh, it's just brutal. It's hard to believe, yeah. and I was wondering. Am I missing something in the Bible? Did was there a bunch of angels ready to come and wipe out the planet at that point with their swords drawn? Did I? Read I don't it? know if they were ready to do it, but but uh, well, they may have been ready because Jesus said I could call down an army. Uh, like I don't know when he said it, but Jesus had said he could call down an army of angels to Is, uh, to defend them. I thought so. Is that in the? Uh, standard text or is that in the apocrypha or? no it's in the standard text I was just I just I don't know why I'm having trouble I actually in my mind there's a number like it was something like 87,000 or something but I, that might be in Revelation then um no cause his uh, him on the cross isn't in Revelation at all I was just uh like, I don't know I don't, I don't know if it's in the apocrypha or not I've never read it so yeah, I, I, I just uh, stick with the uh, the canonized books here anyways. Yeah, me too. Like, there's so much in here already, it's, it's impossible to ever get a grasp of it all. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, I haven't been reading it lately. We haven't read the past few days. I think I've probably read Bible verses in my, just in my regular readings, but I haven't really sat down and just I was having trouble reading scripture. I have a uh, Bible in the year uh, book, and so 
I would rush through like the Old Testament stuff because it was kind of dry and boring. And uh, I just found that I was having a hard time uh, really reading the word. I just and I haven't thought of it anything like that. But um, I had uh, I had this week. I did uh, a couple things that I'm not happy about, and uh, so I prayed about that today. And uh, yeah, did uh, did my part in, in reconciling one of the situations and uh, felt a whole lot better and I was reading uh, I was reading a, an article and it talked about repentance and I just felt uh, I felt like okay yeah I've done uh, I've done my, uh, my my bit of repentance and uh, I felt better about myself today well that's good uh, we feel uh, feeling better uh I know that when I'm when I meditated uh, today and thought about things that if I could do things different, I would definitely pray more and meditate more and take my praying more seriously, like praying yeah, earnestly, yeah. like pay attention, like you're talking to someone who's the King of Kings. Like sometimes when I'm praying, my thoughts will wander a bit, and then I have to, you know, cleanse again and then get back into it. And I'm thinking, like, would I ever do that if I was talking to somebody? You know, whatever, not pay full attention if I'm talking to somebody important. And I'm really ashamed of myself for that. And I'm going to make sure that, uh, you know, when God's trying to get my attention or I'm trying to get God's attention or just from the, you know, bend his ear a little bit, even think upon a situation I might be in. I have to pray, you know, pray earnestly and pray without ceasing. And there's a power in prayer. Like if we, I notice that. I wasn't praying at all with other people, ever, hardly, until I met you guys. And I was like, there's power, and I felt it, you know. Like, I, I get choked up by it. Like, intercessory prayer, I knew it was a big, big deal. But, like, and with, with that girl, I just did Passover with her the other day. And I did Passover by myself, and then she came and asked me to do Passover. And I did it with her, and... I had a feeling she was just going through the motions, but I, it's in no way could I say something, right? Yeah. You can't, because uh, you're thinking for someone else. Like, you don't know their thoughts and intents, but it just seemed like by the body language, you know? Yeah. Like, some things are free, like body language and effort and attitude and, you know, stuff that doesn't cost you anything, but it's priceless. Like, yeah. just being, you know, enthusiastic from the heart about it or doing doing the extra, going an extra little bit. You know, these things don't cost nothing. So some people, I would, I used to add on to that being on time, but I'm the worst person for being on time, so I, <laughs> I tend to tell one out, but that doesn't cost anything. But yeah, I, I just wish that uh, it bothers me because she's biblically literate. And for her to think about suicide and then, you know, she almost died a couple of years ago, five days in a coma, you know. What did she do? I don't know what what she's ever done. I don't know what she's done. I know once I've had to call 911. I didn't know she was doing that. The police were at the door. I was at work and they asked me if they could go in the house. And I said, if you think there's somebody in there that's in trouble, then you better get in there. And they booted the door off the hinges and saved her life. Yeah, I wasn't there. I don't know what she did. And uh, a few years before that, 
I know that I saw her car was all steamed up in the morning when I was going to work, and it was like freezing cold. And there's nobody else vehicle was steamed up. And I, I looked in, and I thought I saw her there. So I phoned 911, and they came. And they broke the door open, whatever they do, and got her out of there. I didn't see her for a while. And then I don't know what she does. I did see band-aids on her wrist once, but I, I, I haven't seen that before. I don't know. But, but every time I call, I cannot, I'm very disappointed that the police try and, try and convict somebody, you know. Yeah. Instead of saying, okay, this, this person's in, in trauma, mental trauma, let's, uh, let's focus our attention there. But no, they, they're looking to try and find, like, a domestic or a motive and blame it on somebody, you know. And that's unfortunate because it's going to shy people away from helping. Yeah. And I tried to convey that to the cop, too. I was like, dude, he had me on the phone twice for no less than 30 minutes each time. I'm going, like, you know what? And I laid into him about that. I said, there's no conviction here. There's no problem here except you're trying to create one. He goes, well, listen to how agitated you are. He says, you've had me on the phone, and you've been grilling me for over half an hour twice, you know, like just over and over the same things. And I just, uh, I just, I just got really disappointed in the guy but you know he comes through the house and look around and, you know trying to blame somebody yeah I'm going to read some scripture tonight I think I'm just uh, encouraged that uh, I got a good bible so I, there's uh, devotionals in it and uh, treaties and stuff on treat Treaties, I think they're called. Yeah, I think. kind of short, um, short explanations of, uh, of of either the book or of uh, a passage or whatever like that. And so, and it's called the Suffering Bible. So it often they relate it to suffering, whether it's mental or physical or whatever abuse or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. What whereabouts is it taking you tonight? I just opened it up. I'm in Nehemiah. Yeah, Ezra and Nehemiah. Yeah, that's great. When they're coming back, you know what? Uh, just if I can just say something about Ezra and Nehemiah. That um, what is it? Jehoshaphat. Who's the guy that? Uh, I can't believe I forget his name. Who's the king that let Nehemiah go to uh, fix? Oh, I can't believe I, f- I forget his name. I can't remember his name. Yeah, well, he he organized it a lot. If you trans transliterate that name and then get that name translated, it, it helps a lot. Like coming out of confusion, uh, Zerubbabel is his name. So we're in Babylon, and they're coming out of con- Babylon. Just means confusion, straight up. And Zerubbabel, Babal means confusion. Zerubbabel means coming out of confusion. And that, that helps a lot, you know. I'm in the book of Daniel right now, and I actually just finished the book of uh, Samuel 1 and 2, King David. I thought that that's just the greatest book. But Daniel's really heavy. It takes a lot to understand Daniel. I, I, I don't have a grasp on the 70 weeks, but I kind of do, you know. Yeah. But uh, I had uh, something I wanted to share with you before I go. I can't think of where it is. It's uh, how three psalms go together and and help explain these end times. But, uh, yeah, I probably won't find it right now. 
So I'll let you go. Read your Bible there. Are you reading mine? I'll pray for Tammy. I'll try to at least. Yeah, just sit. If I could suggest anything, pray for her. Like, just that black cloud that comes on her. You can see it in her eyes. Like, she's got blue. She she can't help that, though. Like, that's not her fault. Uh, yeah, I'm not blaming her. I'm not, I'm not too sure. I, I'm going to have to think about that. Like, I'm not really looking whose fault it is. Uh, the black cloud, I could let the black cloud come on me, I, I would say. But, uh, yeah, but, it, but if the Holy Spirit's not living in her, then she, uh, yeah. she, 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 she has no recourse on how to deal with anything. Yeah, she has no... She doesn't have the veil of Christ on her to for protection if you know god will never leave you or forsake you but people leave and forsake god all the time no i know tammy needs a revival in her heart totally does absolutely that's a great line and she needs that big time she just has to understand that's you know you're not going to get what you ask for right away it's not your clock it's not your timeline and yeah you you don't want to talk about faith like, like she's, I think she's pretty literate through the Bible. I'm really surprised when I see it. I can see it in her face. It's like it, it's like some evil spirit is on her because her eyes are generally blue, and then they're hazed over. And I can tell you one thing for sure, and I'll tell anybody this. I stopped watching TV a long, long time ago, years ago. And when I come by a TV, it doesn't matter what's on, a Disney movie, you know, some wholesome shows there is. I feel violence, and I don't know what it is, and when I say it to people, I get mocked 100% of the time, but I'm telling you, there's something coming through the TV, and when she'll sit there, 10 hours, easy, and then you can't say nothing to her, hey, why don't you get up, you know, let's go go for a walk, let's go for a drive, you know, go for a coffee or something, no, you can't say nothing, it's like, right away, it's like, what, you think I've been sitting here too long? Well, you think I'm fat? You think, you know, it's just like, whoa. You know, and I learned that a long time ago. And I watched the more junk food and TV, the worse she gets every time. It's sad to watch. You can't say nothing. Yeah. And and, uh, that's exactly what happened. Spent 10 days off by herself. And when I came back, this household was a mess. I mean, it was sad to see. What kind of work does she do? She works in the lab, and what happened? She was she's a frontline worker in the lab, and so she just coughed one day at work, and they sent her home because they said it was a bronchial cough, and she got tested for COVID, and it came back inconclusive. She said, "I'm like what?" And her boss is making her go again, and she just wants to get back to work. But in those ten days, I was in Guelph there, and and uh, she was here by herself. And I can tell you, she, she didn't move off that couch. It, the place is a disaster. And I was, and I waited two days. We had a good day, and then everybody had a good day here in the house. And then I said, Tammy, you think you can move some stuff off the couch? And she snapped. It just absolutely went bizarre. Berserk. And I felt so bad for her. I said, look at this girl. She's going crazy. And, and then it was, that was it, man. Just... There was no stopping her. It snowballed, snowballed, snowballed. Felt guilty. She felt guilty about you know sitting there doing nothing. I guess, uh, obviously. And then, like you can't say nothing. That's for sure. But you know, 
that's what they do. The TV just is too strong for her. Have you ever heard of that? TV doing that? The TV's just too strong. Like, there's just too much negativity on the TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Like, I'm not talking secret codes or flashes or anything weird. I'm just saying TV in general is, you know, barnyard morals are the new normal. And everything that's unbiblical is in there. Constantly, yeah. and it they they you know package it like it's so you know so nice and 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 uh, wholesome and you know it you know anyways I would just try and tell anybody that stuck somewhere like as an outsider they can say something but an insider they can't right yeah like, but uh, you know. With the the Passover and everything just coming by, like it's like I think about the tree of life, the water of life, like the great great central subjects of the Bible and the new earth that's promised to us. Like there will no longer be any curse in place of the fall. We have restoration instead of expulsion. We have invitation. You know, whomsoever will, and that's let him take the water of life freely. And I, I could, that just keeps me going every day, thinking about that. We're going to do a podcast again? I was, what? Are we going to do a podcast? Oh, yeah, for sure, absolutely, you know? Yeah. Absolutely, uh, I'm going to try and, like, I was ready a couple of days ago, I'm not making an excuse, but life got put on hold for a couple of days there. Yeah. And that's what happens. I think that, once, once you give yourself over to God as a Christian, the devil's just got, targets you way more. And I think yeah. it's, I'm not saying it's harder to be a Christian than just to be like a middle of the road non-believer, but I'm saying like, be ready for it and be ready to be on your knees, you know, yeah. s- submitting to Christ. Because once you're a Christian, that's your only protection because you're yeah. now in the devil's eye. And I'm just wondering, like, if I bring that on people, like, why have I been in four suicide notes? Like, I, I just, I don't even know anybody who could say they've been in four suicide notes, never been invited to a wedding, I'm over 50. It's, I can't uh, let that play on me. Like, it used to really drag me down. Yeah. You know, like, big time, but, like, that would be, like, the resume of a really crappy person you know yeah but anyway alright I'll let you go and I say a prayer for, for everybody tonight and I gotta let the doggy right. I gotta let the doggies out here I had the doggies at work today too so it's good talking to you Mike alright thanks for phoning I really needed it and uh, I hope I get to the point where I can reach out you know like it's, it's a pride thing again it's gotta be it's gotta have to humble and have to humble the keep humbling myself there's no reason I shouldn't be reaching out and be you know the opposite of an introvert alright Derek yeah. thanks for calling I appreciate it I'll talk to you tomorrow see you Mike alright good night.